Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So, made it through the first day. <clears throat> How is this? Is this? Can you hear me? Is it okay? Yeah, um, the first day is an interesting day in the retreat. There's a number of people here who've done a fair amount of practice and uh, quite a few people who've done very little practice. And uh, I want to share tonight something that hopefully will be useful to all of you. Uh, But I want to remind even those who've done lots of practice before that the first day is not easy. Uh, If you've had sleepiness, how many people have had sleepiness today? Okay, Mm, you got some company. Restlessness, sometimes it's a moment of sleepiness and then followed by a moment of restlessness and then sleepiness again. Um, aches in the body, busy mind, great, you're all right on schedule, (laughs) how wonderful, we're we're doing it right, because that's that's the part of the the package, I've been doing this for a long time and I sometimes figure out, try to figure out how can I start a retreat on the fourth day, you know. (laughs) You just, you can't do it, you know. But that's part of this process. And and what gets easier is that you know that that is part of the process. Hopefully you remember. Sometimes you remember the last sitting on your last retreat, how sweet it was, and oh yeah. And that's what gets you to sign up for the next retreat. And you forget that there were a few days at the beginning that weren't quite like that. <clears throat> so I want to address um, something that, the question that uh, came up in one of the groups today that's probably uh, gone through more than one person's mind. What am I doing here? <laughs> Why did I sign up for this? And I want to talk about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and... What's the other thing? Oh yeah, the attitudes that I find helpful in uh, going through this uh, amazing process. What we're doing. <clears throat> the, uh, the discourse that this practice is based on and um, most all of Buddhist meditation is based on is from the, the Satipatthana Sutta in the collection of uh, middle-length discourses where the Buddha says there is a most wonderful way or there is a most direct way to overcome grief, sorrow, lamentation, despair, end pain and anxiety and realize the highest happiness. That is the establishment of mindfulness. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It might not seem so 
obvious or evident, but that is just what we're doing here. Whether or not you realize it, you are planting potent seeds to overcome grief, sorrow, lamentation, despair, and pain and anxiety and realize the highest happiness. Just by feeling this breath as it comes in and this breath as it goes out, just by lifting your foot and knowing you're lifting it, placing it down and knowing that's happening. Just by eating your food and tasting it or walking uh, down, to the, uh, down to the dining room or brushing your teeth or putting on your shoes or showering or going to the bathroom or sitting and knowing you're sitting. One of my teachers, Manindraji, said, if you sit and know that you're sitting, the whole of the Dharma is revealed. So simple. But you say, how could that be? You know, sit, sitting here feeling a breath in, out, in, out. You know, the, the mind can say, do I really need to do this? You know, we just had a breath a moment ago. Do I have to? Is this one going to be any different? You know? So I want to talk a little bit about um, the miracle of mindfulness. First to explain how, uh, what we're doing and then a bit of how it works before the attitudes. Basically, what we're doing is as the definition of Vipassana explains, seeing things clearly, seeing things just as they are. This is a radical uh, exercise to not embellish, not diminish, not dramatize, not deny. You know, I, I grew up in New York where people often live in superlatives. This is the most intense day of my life, right? <laughs> Even more than yesterday, right? This is the most fat. You ever hear somebody say, this is the greatest movie you'll ever see. And you go and you say, it was good, but it wasn't the greatest. And it just kind of takes it away a little. You know, this is just calling it like it is. And there's something so um, aligned. We're aligning ourselves with truth, with the way things are, by just saying, this is what's happening right now. And if it's, Happy, it's happy. It doesn't have to be ecstatic euphoria, you know. And if it's boring, it's boring. It doesn't mean I'm going to die if this doesn't go, if this doesn't stop soon. It's just, oh, this is what it is. If it's sad, oh, here's sad Buddha. If it's calm, here's calm Buddha. If you're freaking out, this is freaking out, Buddha. Okay. It's just what it is. And in that seeing things clearly, you are, there's a kind of practice in, in deep honesty. Oh, this is what is. Well, you don't have to make anything more or anything less of your experience. 
another aspect of mindfulness, of seeing things as they are, seeing things clearly, is learning to be here in the present moment. This is not where most of us spend a lot of time. And you see that very soon as you try to pay attention and there you are, you know, trying to be with the breath and the mind seems to wander, doesn't it? Into the past, into the future, into fantasy, into anticipation, into hope, into fear, into nostalgia, into regret. And every now and then, you're here. Oh, that was a breath, what do you know? So this takes a training of mind and heart to simply be here right now. And the good news is this is where life is happening. So it's a very good incentive to be here. Otherwise, you're missing out on your life. And I don't know about you, but for me, you know, junior high was just a little while ago and somehow we zipped over to here. (laughs) How did I get here? You know, so why don't you, why not to, why not be here for your life? Because that's what makes it come alive. You know, who, who would want, wants to come to the end of their life and say, oh, it's too bad I wasn't there for it. So this is profound to really be present for your life. In the simplest things like feeling a breath, hearing a sound, feeling a sensation, you're practicing seeing what it's like to, to be here in the present. And as I said, it takes a few days to land here. That's the reality check. If you are finding that you're sitting down and you're being with your experience from beginning to end of the meditation period, uh, I'd like you to come up and speak to me because <laughs> I want to know what's going on in your mind. You know? That's usually not how it works. But after a few days of very kindly, patiently bringing it back to this moment, you start to land and when you hear it's like, oh, this is so nice. Oh, this is, this is what being alive is about. So seeing clearly, being here for your life, being present for your life. Third aspect of mindfulness, what mindfulness reveals is that as you try to be present, you start to see that it's always changing. Have you noticed that? Think how many moods have you had today? How many, how many thoughts have you had today? Ooh, forget it. Huh? How many sensations have you had? Just all coming and going, coming and going. And that, you might not think that's news. If people, somebody asked you, do things change? You'd probably say, yeah, things change. Okay. But to actually be here and notice for yourself how life is continually transforming 
this gets to be more than a conceptual idea. This is a lived experience that you absolutely know for yourself. And in that lived experience, you see it's futile to hold on to changing experience. And you also start to get that no matter how good things are, they will change. And no matter how bad things are, they will change too. And so instead of trying to arrive at some destination, I think I might have said this last night, this is about just learning to be here for the ride and finding a place of centeredness that's able to be open to the whole show. So, seeing things clearly, being here in the present, noticing how everything changes. And then the fourth aspect of this mindful attention is just being things with things as they are without adding on some evaluation of how you'd like it to be. That is a non-judging awareness that just allows the unfolding to be as it is. As often when there is a pleasant moment, we say, yeah, far out, now finally, I'm getting it together, or finally life is doing what it's supposed to. You know, I've worked hard for this and finally got my life together. You ever have that thought? You know, as soon as I hear that thought in my mind, it's like, you know, uh -uh, watch out, you know, the universe is going to come and bop me over the head and say, oh yeah? Not that we shouldn't be here for it. When things are going swimmingly, don't miss it. This is one incentive for mindfulness. Not to say, oh, well, it's going to change, so I better not get attached and just, you know, watch it go away, you know, bummer, you know. No. Oh, when things are going swimmingly, beautifully, and you feel love, don't miss it. Why miss it? That's what's happening. Or when you feel calm, or you feel peace, or you feel at ease, or you, feel, or you experience clarity, those are the gifts of life. Don't miss it. But don't get attached to it and thinking, oh, this is, uh, now I'm doing well, because the other side of that is when it goes, oh, now I'm not doing well. And it's not you doing anything, it's just life happening. So that's one aspect of this non-judgmental awareness. The other side is when things aren't going well, ah, okay, I can be here for this too. Instead of, if I were running the universe, I'd do a much better job than this and life better get itself together. Right? In that judgment, or I better get myself together. In that judgment, we're fighting reality and we're adding on an extra layer that creates a lot of contraction and we try to bargain and fix and figure out what can I do that will make it, make it different. So that judgment really gets in the way. To have a non-judging awareness, this is the key.
maybe, and I'll speak about how to do that in a little while. Okay, so what good is it if you do all of those things? If you see things clearly, if you are uh, in the present for your experience, if you notice how things change, and if you don't add the judgment on, what's the payoff? Why are we doing it? First thing that comes, I mentioned this in one of the groups today, you know, this is called insight meditation. And uh, lest you be afraid that you leave without having an insight, you have all had the first and, mo- and very profound insight in this, pra- in this practice and process. And that is the mind is completely out of control. <laughs> have you noticed that? Now, as I said this afternoon, that might sound like bad news, depressing news. It's actually great news. Because if the mind, your mind is out of your control, then you don't have to blame yourself for what comes through it. Right? Do you say, gee, I could go for some rage right now. <laughs> it just comes, right? How about confusion? Yeah, yeah. It just comes all by itself. And just the same way the love comes by itself and the being touched and, and moved by life comes by itself. You have it all inside of you. But the more you see that the mind is, has a mind of its own, the less you have to take your thoughts seriously. And if you can start to learn to not take your thoughts so seriously, there's a tremendous freedom that comes in that. Then you can have any thought, imagine having any thought in the world, the most bizarre, warped, humbling, freaky thought, and just going, well, that's an interesting one, and not being bothered by it. That's what we're talking about. And as you sit here and you're paying attention and there you are just sitting and all of this stuff just keeps on coming out, then it's tremendously freeing to realize you don't have to jump on the train or feel awful for having certain thoughts or feeling wonderful saying, hey, check it out. You know, I, I hope everybody sees that thought. That was a pretty, pretty good one that came through. It's just coming through on its own. You know, Joseph Goldstein, uh, my teacher, our teacher, uh, says, he's got a great instruction. He says, if you're bothered by your thoughts and you're sitting there in the meditation hall, just imagine they're coming from the person behind you. Because <laughs> yeah. for all intents and purposes, You don't invite those thoughts, they just come. Yeah, they might have associations with your own story, but as far as who's pressing the play button, you don't have much control over that. So to just, to not take your thoughts so seriously, and when you're not jumping on the train, then what happens is you are practicing giving a little bit of space around your thoughts. And when you do that, 
it can start to carry over. There's a little bit more space in your daily life so you don't get swept up by your thoughts quite as much. Now, those thoughts can come, as I often say, press the right button, I could be back in the third grade with paranoia and, and feeling insecure and like a little kid, but it's very different than when I started this. It doesn't last for that long. It's just, oh yeah, third grade reality, okay? And that makes all the difference. In fact, in neuroscience, there's this, uh, this notion of refractory period. This is Paul Ekman's um, uh, terminology, where when we get lost in an emotion, we get lost in a thought and it becomes an emotion, then while we're in that emotion, everything in our world is seen through that lens and confirms, we are looking to confirm our reality. So if you're getting, if you're really ticked off and somebody say is yawning and they're tired, you know, you can say, how disrespectful, I know what they're doing there. Because that's the lens that you're looking through. So the idea is to shorten the refractory period where you are basically out of your mind. And mindfulness has been shown to shorten the refractory period in a very profound way where you come back to your senses as is sometimes said and you wake up from the dream. So the more you practice that, the more you also can see not only after you're lost, the more you have a choice in seeing where is this thought coming from? There are some thoughts you probably have seen that come with a big finger wagging at you. You better not blow it. Or why did she do that? Or yeah, what a fool I was. Or all of those that have contraction and judgment in them. And then there are other thoughts that are coming from a much deeper place. Like this feels right. Or no, this doesn't feel right. Or this somehow is aligned with my truth. And those thoughts you want to empower. Thoughts are not the enemy. There's wonderful thoughts that come through. It's just if you can start to discern enough so you can tell the difference and you can feel it in your body or hear it in the tone in your, in your mind and you can distinguish, then you can see, oh, I don't need to buy into that thought. One of my main practices when I get caught is just asking myself, what thought am I believing right now? Because as soon as I ask that, it's like, oh, I can see it's just run by fear. And then staying connected to the thoughts that are coming through that are really supportive, that are wise, that are loving. So this is a tremendous gift in the practice, just in learning to be here as each thought comes through one after another. You don't have to chase it. They're as empty as you let them be or as real as you believe them to be. So, to not take your thoughts so seriously, as you do that and you are sitting in your experience, then you can see, oh, 
all of this is happening just on its own. And here I am sitting. I don't have to make it all appear or disappear. And there's a place of trust that it's all unfolding and you can be here with it. There's also a tremendous compassion that comes when you see this predicament that you're in. And you're seeing, oh, I'm doing the best I can and here's the mind just going crazy. Oh, yes, I can be kind with this. And the more you can practice that compassion for yourself, the more you understand this, the more you understand the predicament that we're all in. As I mentioned this afternoon, the, there's this one line in the Buddhist teachings. He says, in this fathom-long body, the whole of life is revealed. The whole of the Dharma is revealed. This is the laboratory to understand what it means to have a mind and a body. And the more you understand this one, the more you feel connected to everyone. And so there's a tremendous sense of connection and love that naturally arises from that. Love and compassion, because the barriers are lifted. The more you pay attention, the more you wake up to the truth of what's actually here. And so that is a direct path to wisdom. It's like life wants to reveal itself to you if you will only show up and take a look. And so love, compassion, and wisdom naturally arise. And besides that, as I said a little while ago, as you go through the ups and downs, you find the place of centeredness and peace and home that's right there in the midst of it all. And the more you access that, this is the real gift of going, of practicing over time. Because each time you do something like this, you're getting more and more connected and familiar with that place of home inside. And even if it's not brilliant or light or clear in your daily life, it's not that far away to remember that there's a home, even to know that there's a home and to remember, oh, I can come back here. Everything else that I'm lost in is just confusion. I just got got confused and lost my connection to the truth. So that hopefully give you a little bit of an incentive as to why we're doing this, to open up, not take your thoughts so seriously, and access real love, compassion, wisdom, peace, deep peace, real peace, that's here in any conditions. Then I want to talk a little bit about the attitudes that I find helpful in doing this. I said it a, a little bit in, uh, in one of, in the um, sitting before lunch, uh, just gave my pith instructions. Basically, what I remind myself is simply knowing what's happening now, 
or asking that question, what's happening now? And then receiving experience with a relaxed, interested, kind awareness. That's basically all of the instructions the way I see it. There's lots of variations, lots of different ways to do that, but simply to bring that relaxed, interested, and kind awareness to the moment, whatever the moment happens to be. That's it. So I want to talk a little bit about each of these. A relaxed awareness. Sometimes we can try so hard to do it right. You know, we want to have a, a um, be a good meditator or think that we're doing our, our practice well. And so we have this kind of report card and effort that says, uh, okay, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. This is not going to support you. If you're trying to be a super meditator or a macho meditator, you know, all it will do is just tighten the mind. And even though you're coming from a very sincere place, to allow that, that ease is really facilitating your experience. First, I want to check, is it getting cold in here? People, you want to, anyone who wants to close the windows, if you're near a window. I just like it where we're awake. It helps to, to talk in a room full of being awake. Um, so tightness doesn't do it. The, the, the trick is to learn to both be wholehearted and at ease at the same time. That's, that's my, my basic attitude. A full-on mm, intention to be here, but be spacious and be light. There was once a, a talk somebody gave, uh, a, a great uh, Tibetan Lama gave down at, uh, uh, at the community hall on Monday night uh, one time, and somebody afterwards said, oh, this great Rinpoche uh, said in his talk, he could sum up the whole of Dharma in two words. And everybody got really excited to hear, what is it? And he said, be spacious. Because in that spaciousness, there is enough space for the wisdom to shine through and enough space for the love to shine through. And there's enough space where you're not attached or taking ownership of your experience. And you're just seeing, it's just life unfolding. We need to train ourselves to learn how to relax. Here's a few pointers. This is from Nyoshal Ken Kempo Rinpoche. Listen to this. Rest in natural great peace, this exhausted mind, beaten helpless by karma and neurotic thoughts. Like the relentless fury of the pounding waves, 
in the infinite ocean of samsara, rest in natural great peace. We beat ourselves up mercilessly, just going around and around, trying to figure things out. And in that, we just get more and more caught in the spin cycle, as I call it. This is, this is a, um, somebody who was sitting on her first retreat a number of years ago. I still have the note that she wrote. And she was really spinning her wheels for much of the retreat. And then she finally got it towards the end. I kept on saying something to her and she, it finally stuck. And it was the great revelation. The one thing that is indelibly in my brain is finally getting, you don't have to figure it out. This would never ever register in my brain as an option before. Yesterday I was walking and struggling in my brain, thinking round and round, and this voice came into my mind that said, you don't have to figure it out. And I stopped and closed my eyes and asked myself, what is true right now in this moment? And what was true was the rising and falling of my breath and the various body sensations coming and going. And the rest will balance itself out in its own time, I thought to myself. And I resumed my walking. What a revelation. Just putting down the figuring out mind. It's such a relief. It's all just happening on its own. If you think you can figure out what your retreat is going to be like or how it's supposed to be, good luck. I've never seen it happen where you can outsmart life. So to really let yourself rest, it creates a sense of openness. And in that openness, you are actually cultivating wholesome mind states. In this body of teachings, there's wholesome mind states and unwholesome mind states. Unwholesome mind states are states associated with suffering, like confusion, like anger, like fear, or obsession, wanting, jealousy, all of those, you know those, right? They're all tight and contracted. Akusala, unwholesome mind states. And then they, there are wholesome mind states, kusala, that are associated with well-being and happiness. Love, kindness, compassion, equanimity, patience, clarity, wisdom, all of those, and they're wholesome in that they lead to happiness and they are in themselves well-being. And there's in those wholesome states a kind of openness. Just like in the other states there is a, a closed, a contraction. In these states there's an openness, opening to greater well-being. So relaxing is not cheating, it's actually the way 
to let yourself open. What we often find ourselves in, particularly in stress, when we are stressed, the mind gets contracted, the body gets contracted, and we start to notice what's wrong or look for what's wrong. And when we are open, we are not activating the sympathetic nervous system and there's not that stress, there's stress reduction and there is a space to notice what's good and what's right. It's not at all uncommon, you might find this yourself. After a a few days here, you're just starting to notice all the beauty around you. Oh, look at the lizards, yeah. Oh, look at the turkeys. Oh, look at the nature. Oh, even the people are nice, you know. (laughs) Oh, look at the plants grow. Wow, there's life happening all around. You just start to notice that naturally and the heart opens and there's gratitude for being alive. It's very natural. You're not trying to make all that happen. Just in that opening and ease. You can consciously encourage that as well. You can consciously just remind yourself, relax, you know, lighten up. You know. Hmm. <laughs> just wondering whether to tell a story or not. Hmm. So, yeah, I will. So, uh, this is a story I sometimes tell on on one retreat, one one uh, longer retreat. It's three three month. Every fall, there's a three month retreat in uh, in Massachusetts, which is just going to be starting in another couple of weeks. The first time I I uh, I did that, I was really I thought by the th- I, by the third day, my mind was saying, "Oh my God, eleven weeks, you know, <laughs> three days, fifteen hours." You know. 20 minutes to go, I'll never make it. And I was really scared. Fortunately, somebody talked about patience. And every time I'd get anxious and nervous, I'd just come back and, oh yeah, what's happening now? Oh, I don't have to get afraid. Just one moment after another. And on another retreat, this this jukebox was going on. One of, uh, you know, it might've been that same long retreat. This jukebox sometimes was playing in my head. And I got stuck on this very depressing song right? <laughs> from Bob Dylan's most, I was a huge Bob Dylan fan, most brilliant, depressing period. <laughs> the song, I hope this, this is okay, but I'm going to do it a little bit. The song, Visions of Johanna, where he says, Ain't it just like the night to play tricks when we try to be so quiet? We're sitting here stranded, though we're all doing our best to deny it. This is on a three-month retreat. (laughs) And that song got stuck for one solid week on that verse. It It was not fun. Magically, the needle, it was the days of vinyl, got jumped to a later verse in the song that started off, oh, little boy lost, he he takes himself so seriously. (laughs) And the sky opened up 
And it's like, oh yeah, that's what's going on. Lighten up. And then the eagle song, Take It Easy, came on. <laughs> Lighten up while you still can. You know, it was, take it easy, take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Lighten up while you still can. I played that line over and over. And it just made all the difference in the world. Lighten up, relax. And one way to do that is to, um, as I said earlier today, make it like a game. There's no pass-fail to this. Let yourself enjoy being here. Oh, let's see how mindful I can be. Oh, let's check it out. You know, oh, I lost. Okay, I mean, lost that time. Come on back. Not even I lost. I lost connection. Come on back. Oh, come on back. And you feel great about every time you see, oh, here I, I was lost. Here, come on back. How great. Coming back to home. Sometimes I, I play a game with myself. This might sound a little weird, but this is what I do. <laughs> just imagining that I'm an alien, just dropped from the mothership to find out what it's like to be in a human body, you know. Oh, this is what fear is for like for these guys, you know. Oh, this is what anger is like. Oh, this is what love is like. Oh, this is what the breath is like. Oh, wow. How does the breath work? Mmm. Happens all on its own. And if you can bring that sense of wonder, it's so much easier to pay attention. Then it's not this heavy duty assignment I've gotta pay attention or else it's like oh check it out life is happening here so relaxed doesn't mean lazy in fact quite the opposite it means it means having an ease that allows you to really be present which leads to the second component relaxed interested it's just letting yourself be interested in life and we all have come into the world with that interest with that fascination that sense of wonder it's reclaiming your sense of wonder i i um, have this card at home this birthday card that i've never sent because it's too precious and every time i look at it i i get a kick out of it of this baby looking at a booger in his hand, <laughs> cross-eyed, fascinated. And you open it up and it says, you always were easy to entertain. <laughs> Happy birthday. You know? I love that card. That's, that's who we are if we let ourselves be playful, just seeing, oh, life is happening. Let's not miss it. You ever have this experience? When I was a kid, I would, I would do this a lot. You ever look at a, a shaft of light coming through a window and you look up close and there's like this whole dance going on there? Wow. I used to spend a lot of time looking at that. You know? And if somebody asks, what, what are you doing? You say, oh, I'm watching dust. It, it doesn't sound so scintillating. <laughs> But you look up carefully and it's fascinating. Wow, 
look at that. There's a whole world going on. How fascinating, how interesting. I mean, the amazing thing is that we're interested at all. We're born with this quality of loving to learn and loving to discover. Isn't that wonderful? It could have been a complete different game where we weren't wired up that way, where we were just kind of, you know. I wonder if ants are fascinated as they're going about doing their job, you know, or amoeba, or, you know, they're just going around doing it. But we have this quality of fascination and interest Bring that to your meditation practice. It's fun, it makes it fun. Not that it's always fun, but the interesting thing is, even when it's hard, it can be interesting. As long as you don't have an agenda for it going and you take it in manageable chunks of time, oh yeah, let's feel what sorrow is like. And when you're not afraid of it, it doesn't have the same power over you. Let's feel what sadness is like. Let's feel what joy is like. Let's feel the whole show. Then nothing is wasted. So relaxed, interested, kind awareness. Kind awareness. This is meeting the moment with friendliness, with uh, an open heart that is not trying to make it better than it is, but lets yourself be touched by life. Let yourself be touched by your own sincerity. If you're thinking about doing this well and putting in right effort, this is often an issue for people, don't get tricked into evaluating your effort by what your practice looks like on the outside. Oh, I'm crystal clear now. You know, forget it. It's impermanent. It's going to change. I mean, you can, again, enjoy it while it's here. But you don't have much control over what's happening. If instead of evaluating by what it looks like, what's happening at any time, you can get in touch with your own sincerity of heart, that's where the effort comes from. That's where you can see, oh, am I showing up from my experience? Because that sincerity is the magic ingredient. And your sincerity, you can celebrate your sincerity and feel real uh, appreciation and kindness for that intention you have to be here for your experience. You know that line by the, the Dalai Lama where he says, my religion is kindness. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, Aldous Huxley on his deathbed after all his explorations into consciousness his, near his last words he said you know 
I'm almost embarrassed to say, I think it all just comes down to being a bit kinder. So we can practice that. We can practice it directly by simply allowing ourselves to show up and appreciate that process and appreciate that we will go through it all and to have a compassionate awareness for when we get caught and noticing the judgments and here's getting back to that earlier piece noticing the judgments in a skillful way you will notice you will find judgment in the mind a lot you know in fact you might take comfort in knowing that even at the third stage of enlightenment and the fourth stage is a fully enlightened being third stage is pretty rarefied atmosphere even at the third stage of enlightenment there's judgment in the mind so if you still have judgment cut yourself a little slack you're just no higher than third stage anyway <laughs> so what do you do with that judging mind well here's the trick don't judge it <laughs> because that's how we get more and more confused and seeing you know oh i'm i'm not paying attention and then you realize oh that's a judgment and i'm not supposed to be judging <laughs> and then you realize oh shoot i just did it again it's another judgment and you can heap on one layer on top of another of judging until you bring a different perspective that says oh and there's judging and not judging it that's where there's freedom to see the judgment with a very kind compassionate presence then you're free then you don't have to make anything better happen another aspect of this kindness I'll read it do I have it no is forgiveness for just doing the best you can you can't do any better than the best and you can be caught in lots of conditioning what you're doing is you're seeing the conditioning of the mind and you're seeing the whole show and if you think that if you open up your awareness you're just going to see love and light you know you probably have figured out that's not the whole package but in order to see it and open up to it all a willingness to see the conditioning the pettiness the confusion the fears the patterns if you're willing to do that and forgive yourself for just being human just as you are then there's a you're touching something underneath all of those patterns a great heart of compassion and so you want to take a look and see the goodness underneath it and that really comes by not taking it personally it's all about seeing it is a process unfolding through you so as you do this relaxed interested kind awareness well then you start to open up to what this awareness is this awareness 
is something very mysterious that comes through us, isn't it? And it's not something we can even take credit for, but it's something we can celebrate. Let me just uh, ask you to do this. Close your eyes for a moment. And um, just listen to the sounds in the room. And if it's very quiet, then just notice the silence. Now, try not being aware. Try to turn your awareness off. Can you do it? Your awareness is just is just awaring. Your awareness is just awaring without you making anything happen. It's just shining through you. And yet it is revealing life to you and it is this unique expression of life that you can both celebrate and uh, not take credit for. Can you say, my pure awareness is better than your pure awareness? It's just awareness coming through. It's like you can't say, my unconditional love is better than your unconditional love. It doesn't make any sense. So on the one hand, you're seeing how this mind-body process works, and on the other, you're seeing the complete selfless nature of your awareness, of the love that shines through, of this, all the thoughts that come through and the feelings and the sensations, just doing their own thing. And that starts to become very amazing and mysterious. This is a poem by my favorite poet. This is called Awareness Knowing Itself. Settle in the here and now. Reach down into the center where the world is not spinning and drink this holy peace. Feel relief flood into every cell. Nothing to do, nothing to be, but what you are already. Nothing to receive, but what flows effortlessly from the mystery into form. Nothing to run from or run toward. Just this breath, awareness, knowing itself as embodiment. Just this breath, awareness, waking up to truth. This is what we're doing here. What we're doing, practicing being present for our life. Why we're doing it, because it opens our hearts, opens our minds, and leads to deep peace. And how we can do it, opening up to what's happening now with a relaxed, interested, kind 
awareness that simply wakes up to the truth. So let's sit for a moment. Feel relief, flood into every cell, nothing to do, nothing to be but what you are already, nothing to receive but what flows effortlessly from the mystery into form, nothing to run from or run toward, just this breath, awareness knowing itself as embodiment. Just this breath, awareness, waking up to truth. Thank you for your attention. So we'll have a 30-minute walking period. If you go outside. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.